Hello, and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. Joining me this week is Margaret Carmel, senior reporter at Boise Dev. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So last week, Facebook's parent company, Meta, announced plans to build a new data center here in the Treasure Valley. Uh, and you wrote a piece answering some questions about the project. Can you just walk me through the, the premise of your story here? Right, so this announcement of this data center made some waves last week and there was a lot of fanfare, a lot of excitement and not a lot of details. And so my goal here with this story was to answer some big questions about how much was this subsidized by the government? How are they going to impact the environment? What did the city of CUNA do? And you know, how could this impact the business environment in the area? And I felt like you know there was a lot of details missing from Meta's um, announcement, and I wanted to get down into the nitty gritty of what are we getting and what are we giving up for this project? Yeah, those were my questions too. So it's great that you were able to look into those and come on the show this week. So it is announced for the city of CUNA, which is in kind of southwestern Ada County in the Treasure Valley. Um, where exactly is this site and what is it like now in its current state? So this site is going to be at the corner of Cole and Cunamora Road. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's technically in CUNA, but it's in the far southeastern edge. It's, it's not right in the middle of downtown. And right now it is empty farmland. It's kind of close to some manufacturing facilities but and the prisons. But for the most part, it is wide open farmland nothing out there. And CUNA's area of impact is very oddly shaped. So you have CUNA proper, but then CUNA sprawls out. So across a wide swath of Southern Ada County. So whenever you say something's in CUNA, you need to get a little bit more specific because it could be, it could be downtown CUNA. It could be out in something no one could consider a city. And so it's going to, this data center is going to pop up sort of in the middle of, of nowhere. And if I'm remembering correctly, this area is, although it could be considered just empty farmland in the middle of nowhere, it is zoned with the intention of becoming kind of an industrial area. Is that right? Yes. So this whole, so that's a misconception I've gotten from a couple people. So this whole area is zoned industrial. It is envisioned as industrial. And there, this is going to pop up. And the idea is that it's going to be the catalyst for more industrial development that will employ more folks who live in CUNA. The idea is not for this to pop up and then subdivisions start surrounding this data center and which is gonna tax services because there's nothing out there to support them. No, this is a, an industrial area and it's gonna be the anchor tenant of an industrial park which is owned by um, the Gardner company. And so what are Meta's plans here? What exactly is this facility that they wanna build? So this is a data center and it's going to house um, servers and all sorts of other things that need to support Meta's operations. And part of what they're building, so it's just going to, you've probably seen this on you know television, it's just going to be kind of a dark room with banks and banks and banks of computers. Um, it looks very sort of sci-fi-esque. Um, but a big piece of what they're building is they're building a $50 million wastewater treatment plant next to the data center. And a big reason why is these data centers, I mean, you think about how your computer gets hot if you open too many tabs. 
think about that times 2000 um, because these data centers they run very they're running a lot of um support for internet and storage and all sorts of other things that I am not technically savvy enough to explain, but it is a heavy load. And so these computer servers get very, very hot. And so they need water to cool them down. And so Meta's pitch is that they're going to build this $50 million wastewater sewer plant to um, treat the water, to treat water that is going to be used to cool the servers. And once they build the plant, it's going to be given to the city of CUNA for them to own and operate. And the idea here is that this sewer plant is going to be expandable so that if someone wants to build a factory, a, an, an agricultural processing facility, you name it, next door to the data center in this industrial park, they already have the sewer there, which can support the operations and sort of grow it because you can't just buy a piece of land in the middle of nowhere and say, okay, I'm going to start an industrial park because you need infrastructure, you need water, power, sewer, all these things. And so the idea is like CUNA's reason for entering this deal is it's almost like Meta is going to start the foundation, which then other companies can build on top of so CUNA can get the tax money. So beyond this um, new sewer plant, what other needs are there in terms of infrastructure out here, whether it be roads or other city services, things like that? So we're not sure what the road situation is going to look like. Um, In order to build the facility, Meta is going to have to apply with the Ada County Highway District. They're going to look at the project like they do every project, and they're going to decide if it needs road expansion and all these other things. But it's looking like they likely will not need to do a massive road expansion because, spoiler alert, this data center actually isn't going to employ a whole lot of people. So um, it's not going to be something like Amazon, where you're going to have tens of thousands of people and trucks going in and out, packing boxes. At its height, it's going to employ 100 people. you know, permanently. So that might change if this industrial area really takes off and there's going to be more folks working there at higher um, employment jobs. But I talked to David Wally, the owner of this industrial park where Meta's data center is going to go. And he basically told me industrial operations of this size need a lot of space, but not a lot of people. And so we'll see what the road situation looks like, but it probably won't be a tax on that. The big question here is really going to be how is the facility powered? So in Idaho, every um, customer that's going to come onto the power grid that requires more than 20 megawatts of power has to file an application with Idaho Power to basically negotiate that. And through that process, Meta has said that they want to have the project be 100% renewable, but we don't know exactly what the mix of that is going to be. So they could build a wind farm, solar farm, they could have a wind farm and a solar farm, and, you know, a combination of the two. So we still don't know exactly what that is going to look like. But the big 10,000 pound gorilla in the room is water. And as I said earlier in this podcast, these data centers use a whole lot of water. Yeah, your story had some details of kind of some comparisons of what other data centers in the country use to kind of give a range, even though Meta didn't give specifics about this uh, facility. 
what sort of water use do these data centers typically use in your that you came across in your reporting and what um, are the possible impacts here in Idaho? Right. So as you know, we are a high desert. So this is this water stuff is not it is not a game. So one of the things that it's going to be interesting to see is that Facebook has said that they want to be water positive, which means they want to bring more water to the area, to the Treasure Valley than they're going to take out for this um, for this project. But they didn't tell us any sort of details about how that's going to happen. I said, hey, can you give me some more specifics? And they directed me to a blog that described their goals for water use, but then, and some other projects that they've done in other communities, like donating money to add more water to Lake Mead in Arizona, which is declining, or preserving some wetlands in Texas, but they didn't, they gave any details about how they would bring more water here, especially since, you know, we think about the water cycle, water isn't created, it just, it just moves throughout the environment. So it's unclear exactly where they're going to get their water from, and how they're going to make sure that they're not draining down our water resources. So just to put this water usage in perspective, Facebook, unlike Google, publicizes how much water that they use in their data centers. So in 2020, the smallest data center used 9.2 million gallons a year in New Albany, Ohio. And the data center that used the most was an East Coast facility that used 170.3 million gallons a year. I'm not even going to attempt uh, to convert that into bathtubs or some sort of like real world example. It's a lot. And so whenever you think about that dry Snake River Plain, that's a pretty intensive use. And so I know that journalists like myself, like Logan and others are going to be watching pretty closely to see how are they going to make good on that promise. You mentioned that once things are up and running, the facilities constructed and in use, it'll employ at max about 100 people. Um, How many jobs are expected in the construction phase? Right. So it's going to create 1,200 jobs during the construction phase. But something to keep in mind is that we say creating jobs for construction. Construction workers, there's a shortage of them going on right now and um, all over the country. So whenever we're saying it's going to create jobs, it's the, the thing that I always think about is, okay, can this really be adding in new jobs that don't already exist if there are a dearth of people to do the job? So there aren't many construction workers who are sitting at home right now on their couch going, man, I wish there was more construction going on so I could work. Um, I'm sure everyone I know who works in construction is completely overtaxed. There's more, there's more jobs for them to do than time to do it. And, and, you know, they're very, they have very successful businesses right now. So, I mean, that's a big number, but I would be skeptical of that figure of just how many new people who are unemployed will become, you know, become employed because of this this project, it would, it would create more work for existing companies, but it's not like they're sitting around waiting already. Facebook also did not give me a lot of details on the permanent jobs this would create. So I said, okay, is this going to be a hundred data engineers over a hundred thousand dollars a year? Is this going to be a security guard patrolling uh, the banks of servers making $10 an hour? Is this going to be a janitor? And they did not answer the question. They said it would be a mix of people, um, technicians and HVAC workers, 
security people, even culinary folks would suggest, you know, they're going to have food on site for their workers. And they wouldn't tell me how much people are going to make, but the salaries would be competitive. Well, competitive to what? Who knows? So there's a lot of questions about exactly what we're going to get in the regional economy in exchange for the amount of water power that is going to get pumped out of this facility. And my guess is that the dividends are going to come more from the this sewer plant acting as the catalyst to activate this industrial park for more companies to sprout out around it than the actual data center itself. Uh, Mayor Steer at the uh, event was talking about how CUNA has become a bedroom community and how they're looking for more um, jobs in CUNA so they don't have to travel out to Boise. And I, I don't know exactly if this data center is going to um, be the game changer of an employer that CUNA is looking for, but if it can be the seed that starts all of these other sorts of five, six other, you know, industrial things that pop up around it, then that could be much more of an economic engine. Yeah, kind of that anchor tenant. It could be easy to see this as specifically just a Boise or Ada County or Treasure Valley story, but there is a larger statewide aspect to this. Um, Part of the economic development toolbox that kind of drew Facebook's attention to the area is a um, tax exemption specifically for constructing data centers here in Idaho. Uh, And that was created in 2020. Can you walk me through that part of state law and what it requires? Right. So this in in 2020, there was this pitch to have um, to have a sales tax exemptions and it's going to they're going to exempt the equipment um, and all sorts of other things like that. And it's really it's really interesting because at that time they brought this bill. And there was a lot of debate about it, but then no one ever said this is for Facebook. We're in an economic attraction conversation because that's not how these things work. And here we go, you know, two years later, now we're getting the announcement and it tells you just how long the lifespan is. Um, So the bill would actually exempt, it would say that construction materials on servers as well um, would be exempt from the sales tax. And you got to remember, this is a very, very, very um, equipment intensive um, type of building. But in order to get the tax break, the data center has to meet some requirements. So they have to create and maintain at least 30 jobs, which is, I don't know, roughly the amount of people who work at a a fast food restaurant. I'd say that bar is pretty low. And then they have to make a capital investment of at least $250 million within five years after construction begins. And it has to be solely devoted to providing for the data center. So it's, it's, that is quite the swap um, for these projects. And it'll be interesting to see if this is not the first data center that we get. I think there's likely to be many more, um, assuming our water resources can keep up. Because as you know, the West is struggling with snowpack, water, and all sorts of things as the region is rapidly growing. So as long as Meta invests a certain amount in this facility and hires a certain amount of Idaho residents and pays them a certain amount, they won't have to pay sales taxes on the materials it takes to build and establish this data center. Right. You know, and the other thing to keep in mind, though, is that this is a 
this is a project that they're going to build it and it's going to, it will likely stay static. You know, I'm, I'm not a data uh, center expert, but you think about a data center, they build it, it does its thing and that's it. It's not like a, it's not going to be as fluid a facility as maybe um, an agricultural processing facility where they might say, Hey, sweet potato fries are getting really popular. We should change up one of our assembly lines and buy new equipment so we can make sweet potato fries. And then they have to pay another round of sales tax. This is very much likely going to be kind of a one and done situation. They might have certain things they're going to replace every once in a while. Um, maybe as technology will get better, they're going to you know do all, all sorts of things, but it's not, um, it's like they're going to build it and it's just going to be what it is. And so it's very much an upfront cash break, tax break. That's as good as giving them them cash, frankly, because if you don't have to spend that money to pay the sales tax on buying all the things you need to put in your data center, then that's essentially money, money in your pocket. So while the city of CUNA, the state didn't give them, you know, a cash incentive, which states can do for economic attraction projects where they will say, we'll give you a million dollars if you build this factory to employ a certain number of folks. You know, they, they did this tax break is essentially, you know, giving, giving money away that would otherwise um, be collected. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago when Amazon was looking to build their HQ2 facility, their kind of second headquarters there was massive competition between various states and big cities. Yeah, and I could talk about this forever, so you might have to do the hook and yank me off your podcast, but there really is this massive industry around economic attraction. There are site selectors that travel around and they look for sites for companies that are trying to expand. And a lot of people think that when a company wants to move and or expand or build a new factory, they just... Google around and they say, well, this, you know, this state looks pretty cool. I, I like it. They, you know, they have a Starbucks near where I want to build. Let's do it. And it's not that, but it's not that simple because what it ends up being this massive race between cities and counties and states all competing to try to put together these packages. And decades and decades ago, you could attract, you could attract a massive employer to come by just saying, hey, I've got some land. I'll give it to you for free. And someone would come and say, great, I'm going to build and I'm going to employ 100 people. And then there was this kind of this creep where then businesses, especially post-recession, as the economy started struggling and a lot of industrial users started moving overseas, is that businesses and started saying, no, I don't want just a land. I want you to build me a building. I want you to give me, build the sewer pipe that comes to my factory. I want you to, and then it became, I want you to do the geotechnical analysis of the site for me. And so it's sort of become this, in a way, race to the bottom where all of these states and cities and counties are like giving away all this sorts of stuff. So then there becomes the question, well, is it even worth it? If we paid out, you know, all this money and built this building and built these sewers, you know, what does that even look like? So there's a debate um, going on around where a lot of people can be critical of economic development uh, work because they're saying it's, it's basically giving away the goods to these companies to use and then to the point where you don't even get anything out of it. And so that's just all a general analysis of the situation, but it really puts Idaho's competition for this data center 
in perspective where this is a, a this didn't just happen overnight this was a long negotiation where things were built and built into our code built into our local government system to attract meta and get them to come here and so at the state level there's this sales tax exemption um, for the facility what about at the local level has Ada County or the city of CUNA done any sort of this economic development work to attract the, the facility? Yes. So the city of CUNA did not give any incentives, but what they did do is they created an urban renewal area that encompasses this in this industrial park. And then the next step is CUNA is going to put together a plan where they're going to essentially estimate how much economic growth could happen in this district and how much tax revenue they could get and lay out what sorts of projects they want to do. So whenever you open an urban renewal district, you have to have a plan. You can't just say, oh, we're going to do this, see what happens. You have to have um, all these sorts of things laid out. And so CUNA is in that process. They have said, yes, the area is feasible, and then they're going to create this plan. But once you get the feasibility you're well on your way. I don't think that they have said thumbs up, it's happening 100%, but it's very rare for someone to get this far in the process and turn around, especially when you have a tenant like a Meta breathing down your neck and saying, yes, we want uh, this urban renewal district. And so a quick uh, 101 on urban rural areas is basically what it does is it takes an area that maybe isn't doing so well economically, whether it's an empty field, whether it's a portion of downtown that no one's been building on recently. And they say, okay, everything in this area for, you know, 20 years, the extra tax revenue that's collected is going to go to another entity. And that entity can use that extra tax money and build things with it. And so the idea is that sort of, it becomes this engine of growth where, so they've got this urban rural area, and Med is going to come in, they're going to build the data center and there, and because they build their data center there, property taxes of that little area is just going to shoot through the roof. And they're going to take that extra tax on that $800 million data center, and they're going to turn around and use it to build infrastructure to then attract more industrial folks and build the sewer pipes and grade the sites and do all sorts of things that I'm, you know, I don't totally, um, know about right now but and then the idea is then there's going to be more tax revenue because there's new you know two more factories over there and then the idea is at the end of 20 years there's a ton of extra tax money that didn't used to be there because it used to be an empty field and that's going to go into the city of cuna to do other things with or cut property taxes or you know do with it what they will but Sort of the, the flip side of that very rosy sounding idea is that some people are saying, well, if you're not collecting those property taxes, the increase in property taxes from Meta for 20 years, it's going to shift the tax burden to other folks who don't live in that district. And it means that CUNA won't get the tax payoff of that data center and maybe the other tenants around it for 20 years, which doesn't really help anybody now. And then at that point, that's so long in the future, you know, the folks who are paying their taxes now won't even see, might not even see the benefit because they moved on and found a greener pasture somewhere. So there's a lot of debate over whether urban renewal and it's, is 
a great tool to help attract businesses and grows the economies or, you know, and, and helps taxpayers, or if it's just kind of a giveaway to businesses and another layer of government bureaucracy. It's not really up to me to decide how you should feel about it, but it, it's a complex issue. Yeah, some cities in Idaho have had really great success stories with them, some not so much. It definitely draws the attention and sometimes ire of lawmakers at the state house. And it's a very, very complicated topic as you, as you referenced. Is there anything else that you think we should discuss that I haven't asked you about? No, I think that um, we really covered it. I appreciate you letting me come on the show and talk about this stuff. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah, we're expecting possibly some big property tax legislation uh, coming down the pipe this session. So maybe we'll have you on the show again. Margaret Carmel, senior reporter with Boise Dev. Thanks for joining me today. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marsha Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.